Welcome to the SNS Podcast. It's your boy, Mike K. Smith, also known as Akins, also known as Coolest Guy in Sports. Back with episode four, season two in totality. This is episode number 41. Check, how you doing, man? I'm doing good, man. Another week of NBA basketball. Can't complain. Let's get to it. So, let's start it off with the early NBA season. Who is your surprise team so far? Uh, there are left, definitely a couple of teams that caught my eye, but if I had to pinpoint one exact team that surprised me so far based on these six seven games i've been played so far i would have to say the phoenix suns man i i can't believe i'm saying this but <laughs> phoenix suns actually have a competent basketball team now it, it's it's insane just the turnaround they've been able to do with the higher monty williams to adding legitimate nba players like ricky rubio dario Saric, even guys like a frank kaminsky as well with kelly Oubre, who got and tyler johnson who were brought in at the trade deadline last season like you overall it's a good basketball team I'm not sure if they're gonna make the playoffs but there's a team that could maybe even get close to 35 40 wins and that that wouldn't be a surprise to me based on what I've seen so far I've looked at a couple of games and just the turnaround of that franchise in terms of the basketball product that's being shown is amazing and the best player Devin Booker he's having an amazing year right now this could be the year he becomes an all-star what do you think Oh, definitely. I'm hoping that they win a bunch of games so Devin Booker can get the credit he deserves and become an all-star. But like you said, it shows you that Monty Williams, everybody was talking about with the Los Angeles Lakers, like why are people, why was he like one of the leading candidates? But it it shows why with his impact on the Phoenix Suns culture and also James Jones, the GM for the Phoenix Suns is doing an exit job as well. And like you said, I like their team structure this year. They have Ricky Rubio. They have um, they also got Kelly Oubre, Tyler Johnson, Dario, who was excellent with the Philadelphia Sixers. A lot of people forget that. Like he was a big piece for the Philadelphia Sixers, even though they had to trade him to get Jimmy Butler. But mm-hmm. they have a they have an actually competent team right now. And Devin Booker, he's doing his thing as usual. A lot of people are saying that he's playing different, and to me, he's not really playing different. He just has legitimately great teammates <laughs> that we haven't seen on the Phoenix Suns. And now the defense can't really just focus in on Devin Booker because you guys, you got guys like Ricky Rubio who can attack the basket and kick it out to shooters. And you got a three and D guy, Kelly Oubre who can shoot the ball and also play defense and also is good at getting to the rim and very sneaky athletic as well. And you got Tyler Johnson coming off the bench and you got Dario. So you can throw it down the post and he can shoot the three as well. And also, pass the ball while he's in the post as well. So I'm very – I'm also very surprised by the Phoenix Suns. But like you said, I don't think they're going to get to the playoffs. But it's a nice story in the NBA so far. They're 5-2 and two right now. But we're going to be watching them. They're going to be a great league pass team to watch this entire NBA season. Yeah, and just to think about, uh, like, most of their games has been without DeAndre Ayton due to PED suspension. So – Maybe if they could just hold down the four until he comes back, who knows? There's a, I always make this claim coming into the season every year where, based on the playoffs, there's always two teams that don't make it based on the, the previous year. One team based on injuries and another team that just disappoints. And there's always that one There's always one to two teams that surprise us that come in and make the playoffs. And it could be the Phoenix Suns. I there's an actual basket. There's it seems like it's an actual plan right now. And to your Devin Booker point, I think what fans were seeing before was just 
he just had he was forced to do a lot because there was not an actual plan. And I think it has to do with the coaching aspect as well as the point guard situation. Phoenix was known for having a point guard academy from Isaiah Thomas to Goran Dragic and Eric Blesso, but once they trade all three of those guards, there was no point guard they could really rely on. And Devin Booker was just tasked to do with so much. And a lot of people said, oh, he's taking inefficient shots. Oh, he's, he scored 70 points, but it's in a meaningless basketball game. Or he's uh, the turnovers, he's doing too much. But that's what he was forced to do in a sense. And I was a victim of that. I criticized him for that as well. But I should have realized earlier at that point that it was just a young player taxed with so much responsibility where other players were brought into better situations. And hope this is where I feel is this is the real season where we can actually see Devin Booker. What are you made of? Because he actually has a competent basketball team for the first time in his career. I definitely agree with that, but I wasn't one of the players that criticized Dev- Devin Booker. I was one of the players that was like, yo, Devin Booker is really, really talented. And Devin Booker may be the best young player in the game right now. And the fact of the matter is he had to play the point guard position. He had to play the two guard position. He was doing everything. He had to score. He had to facilitate last year. He had to basically do everything, like you said. So, of course, the turnovers are going to be high because he has a high usage rated. And also, of course, he's going to take some bad shots because if you're the only guy on the team that can put the ball in the basket, who are you Who are you going to pass the ball to? It's kind of like the Allen Iverson situation. Everybody used to talk about Allen Iverson during those times when he played with the Philadelphia Sixers, how Allen Iverson was taking so many bad shots and taking so many shots. But it's like, who is he, who is he going to pass the ball to? Similar to Kobe Bryant when Kobe Bryant – and Shaquille, Shaquille O'Neal went to Miami and he had nobody. He had Smush Parker and all those guys. Like, who was, <laughs> going, who was going to make baskets? So I was never really one of those guys that was criticizing Devin Booker because I knew the situation that he was put in. But even being in that situation, you can still see that this brother is talented and this brother is dangerous. This brother, to me, is going to be a future MVP type of player. Yeah, I, de- I definitely see it. And... I think the difference between, like, this situation on which you stay with the Allen Iverson or even, like, Shaquille when Shaquille Neal when he was traded with the Heat was I, – I believe there was an actual plan. Like, of course, AI was forced to take a lot of bad shots, but that was just the way their team was set up. They made a finals appearance. You could say there was a lack of talent overall, but it was a defensive mind team that's allowed Allen Iverson to flourish with that's true. the primary scorer. With Devin Booker, I just don't think there was a plan at all, like, just the, yeah, number yeah. Head coach, the number of head coaches, ownership Definitely. that they found in into the draft picks that they probably would have succeeded in another place in another franchise. But Dragon Bender, Marquise Chris, they're, 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 those are players that are bouncing, bouncing around in the league that probably could have flourished elsewhere just because there wasn't a basketball plan. And now I, I just wondered before Monty Williams came in, my criticism came from me seeing the bad habits that were being produced on the court with Devin Booker. And and it's not his fault. And that's where the criticism needs to be accounted for now compared to now where he actually has a point guard to give him the ball the right places and other players as well. And it makes me wonder maybe was Josh Jackson a bad pick or was Marquise Hughes a bad pick? Maybe there was a basketball <laughs> in there instead of there. Maybe it prevented. Josh Jackson is in the the G League right now, so that that <laughs> he was definitely a bad pick. Um, but yeah, definitely, like you said, it was, that's what I used to always say. Like you can't hold certain players responsible 
people are like he he his game does not translate to wins, but it's just like look at his team and you can't he can't go and draft the the right players or go and get free agents to come and play with him. So it's just like a whole lot of situations that players get blamed for. But it's just kind of like it's unfair to criticize the player when it's really the front office and it's the basically the culture of the franchise. But Devin Booker is playing well, and the Phoenix Suns are off to a 5-2 and two start, and they are definitely a, a surprise team. But another surprise team that I would like to talk about, and I don't know if this is really necessarily a surprise, but to me it's just like the Los Angeles Lakers look really good. <laughs> I mean, uh, they're 6-1 six, they're six and one right now, and it's just kind of like, Typically, LeBron James' team starts off kind of slow, so I was kind of like expecting them to be like three and three, maybe three and four. But they're looking really, really good right now, and a lot of that has to do with their defense with LeBron James, their defense with Anthony Davis, and they're also their defense with Dwight Howard, who's been excellent. Dwight Howard has kind of reinvented himself this year mm-hmm. on the basketball floor, off the basketball floor, new number, new hairstyle. <laughs> New body, new mental state. Like he's still that fun guy, but he it seems like he has a level of mature matureness to his game and also just saying the right things in the media and basically coming in and being that defensive anchor for the Los Angeles Lakers has been very has been very key to the success of the Los Angeles Lakers so far in this season. Yeah, this is off a road trip where they had to play San Antonio, they had to play at Dallas, and then what we saw were the comeback in Chicago. That's a game they could have easily just let Chicago have. But LeBron, like you said, the defensive mentality has changed. And Dwight Howard, it shows you what a player can do when he really buys in and gets humbled. And I see a lot of players like Andre Drummond or other bigs that really try to compromise themselves to be a Joel Embiid. But if they just stuck to rim running, like hustling hard on the defensive boards, like just look at those seasons Dwight Howard's having from he's leading the league right think right now in efficiency and he's top three in in blocks so far so I think the Lakers are definitely increasing like their stock in terms of what they're going to look like in the postseason this is just without Rondo and Kuzma coming back into the mix as well so there's still a couple of pieces they have to fiddle in here and there but I'm really, I'm really amazed at what you said. I mean, at what I've seen so far, just because, like you said, LeBron teams have usually started late, and then usually the media likes to get on them early on because they start off yep. so. But it's a point that they want to make early, and I think LeBron's trying to show everyone that, hey, man, I'm not washed. I'm not the washed king. I'm. It, it was ridiculous. It was ridiculous to begin with for people even. It was a bunch of casuals that saying LeBron James was washed. How are you washed? And you had twenty seven and and eight and eight last season, and it was just kind of like just ridiculous. But it's LeBron James. You know, people are going to criticize LeBron James because you, it's a either you love him or you hate him. But LeBron James has been playing very very well, and to me, I think he could be the MVP. He's the MVP front runner right now. And also, I just think he's doing an excellent job on the defensive side of the ball, which people have criticized in the past few years because we know LeBron James likes to take off kind of during the season. And what's scary about the Los Angeles Lakers is that a lot of times you watch the Los Angeles Lakers when they're playing okay, and then, like, the second half comes and they just turn it up. And a a lot of times it's LeBron James, he can, like, flip the switch. And that's good because he's 34 years old. He's in year 17. So, of course, he's not going to play – at 100% full turbo, full go mode all the time, but he can hit the switch. And seeing that he can hit the switch and then the team can kind of hit the switch with him and really turn up 
it's kind of like really, really fun to see. Yeah, it's really fun to see. And the main thing you want to see is we saw sign we saw flashes of this last year. You saw where LeBron could just flip the switch and be the best player in the game for stretches. Right. It's just the main thing is like the Christmas game against Golden State last year where he got hurt. Mm-hmm. Is it we have to wonder is a load management sequence gonna be put in at some point? Because now you have Anthony Davis that could carry the team for stretches. So I think the main thing for him is maintaining the health. But it's it's really phenomenal just to see LeBron play at this level right now, along with Anthony Davis, who could also have his case for MVP as well. I agree. I don't know about the load management for LeBron James. Maybe because LeBron James kind of was load managed because the um, the Los Angeles Lakers were so bad and so awful. He had to kind of like the whole entire offseason arrest and stuff like that. That's I think true. he's gonna play. I think he's gonna play at least seventy five games this year for the Los Angeles Lakers. But maybe he shouldn't. But I just think his body is fresh. I think he's rejuvenated. I think he. I don't. Know, I think he has a chip on chip on his shoulder, and it's for the first time in a long time. LeBron James feels like he has something to prove because of all the criticism that he's received this past off season, which was just ridiculous to begin with. But I just think he. Is on a mission this year, and we and it's good to see LeBron James be on that mission because we know how great of a player LeBron James is. But when he is on that mission, like when the Miami Heat lost to the Dallas Mavericks, he went on that mission, or when he went back to the Cleveland Cavaliers, he was on that mission to bring a championship to that franchise. It seems like he's on a, a mission again, so it's very very exciting. And whether or not people think he's washed or not, one thing that is definitely a fact is that. The ratings and just the product of the NBA game is is declined with when LeBron's not in the playoffs. It was just like the, the playoffs were interesting to watch just from seeing Kawhi's dominance, of course, to seeing the Clippers challenge Golden State and all these other factors. But at the same time, LeBron just makes the, everything a different dynamic, and he he needs to be in the playoffs this year. That that's what every NBA fan had realized from last playoffs. Definitely speaking of playoffs. We were having this conversation earlier with the Atlanta Hawks and the Dallas Mavericks, two teams that are fighting for potentially a lower seed in both their respective conferences. Mm-hmm. And we were talking about the whole Luka Doncic and Trey Young, like who's better between the two? Who would you rather have? And I kind of just let's, let's just talk about that a little bit more. Like, who do you feel is the better player right now? And also, which player would you rather have going forward in the future? Oh, man, I'm really conflicted on this one. I'm not going to lie to you, but if it came down to one player, I'm going to have to go with Luka. And it's hard hard for me to say this, but it comes down to the height, in all honesty, because if you compare their games from a skill set standpoint, I don't don't think you can definitively say Luka is better than Trey at this aspect or vice versa. They're both really phenomenal passers. I think Trey has shown flashes of having better betting passing throughout his games. And just from shooting standpoint, you would have to lean towards Trey just from the distance he shoots it from. But I could also give you games where Luka is dominated from a shooting standpoint as well. But I say Luka mainly because you see today's game and how it's transformed from a game that has been dominated in the post to being a perimeter-oriented game. But it's still a game that needs a dominant wing. And Luka's a versatile 6'8 wing that could that could play make on the perimeter and we never really see a point guard with the exception of Steph that need a point guard that can carry their team over the top just because it's a lot to demand from a, a player that's under 6'4 under 200 pounds and we even seen it 
early in the season where Trey's Trey suffered an ankle injury. Maybe that's something that re- that comes back again later in the year. But I'm just gonna have to go with the history of the game and go with the wing player over the six barely looks like six one six two point guard that's under 180 pounds. Okay, now everybody, we all know that everybody. The two critiques on Luka Doncic and Trey Young. The first one for Doncic was that he's unathletic, and the one for Trey Young was that he's small. But one thing they both have in common, I think, is that they're both extremely high IQ players. Like oh, both of these that. guys' IQ is extreme. But let's get to it. There's mm-hmm. nothing on the basketball court that Luka Doncic does better than Trey Young. Trey Young shoots the ball better, better passer, also better if off the dribble, creating his own shot, getting to the rim. And for that small aspect that people like to throw out with Trey Young. Trey Young is a better finisher around the rim than Luka Doncic, and he also doesn't shy away from con- from contact. And for people that sit up and say, you always say, like, Stephen Curry is the only point guard that we've seen that kind of, like, dominate and being, like, this this lead guard that went to the finals. What about Allen Iverson? What about Isaiah Thomas, Joe Dumar? So it's kind of like we've seen what Steve Nash was very successful. So we've seen players who have been small dominate. So that's why I just think that Right now, I, I think Trey Young's a better player, and I've always thought Trey Young was a better player. I was last year, two years ago when they both came out, I was basically saying that whoever had the number one overall pick should draft Trey Young, and mainly because it's his skill set, and mainly also because of his gravity. Like when Trey Young steps past the half court, all eyes are glued to him. And I just feel like when you have that pre- presence and that dynamic type of you're that dynamic type of player where everybody is glued and locked in on you, not knowing if you're going to pass. I know if you're going to shoot. I know if you're going to try to get to the rim and kick it out. That's something special. We haven't seen that type of gravity since, I want to say, Stephen Curry. And also kind of like James Harden, because James Harden's the same way. Like When they have the ball in their hands, everybody is so locked in. Like, is he going to shoot it? Is he going to pass? And we see that type of dynamic presence with Trey Young, and that is something special. Oh yeah, I definitely agree. I look, I I agree with you from the standpoint that there, you can make the argument that Trey is maybe slightly more skilled than Luca. It's just he is. It's yeah, not. It's, it, it's not a. He is more skilled. He, he's more skilled. I, I, I don't think we give Luca enough credit just mainly because I I see Luca shooting from the distance that Trey shoots as well. Trey does it just a little bit more, but they do the same. I think they do the same thing. It's just that is is in different ways in a sense like. Luca's vision is mainly from him being able to see over the defense and make passes out of the pick and roll where Trey uses shifty dribbles to maneuver around defenders, especially off switches, and make these really hard bounce passes to get to John Collins off pick and rolls. Or just overall, I think they do it in different ways, but they're still effective. I, for me, it's just I have to go with the bigger play just based on the history of the game. And you've given yeah. your, you gave your Isaiah Thomas and your Steph Curry comparisons, but the last couple of final MVPs were been wings, whether it's been LeBron, Kawhi, Kevin Durant. That's Steph was, true. That's and, true. That's true. But I have to think about how Trey can sustain a season just from his frame, the, the his body frame. Like, I don't know if that his body can really carry an A two game season as being the best player in his, his game. But his small his small stature has never been a problem against like larger and physical defenders. And undersized players always need like a reliable floater. Being able to, like, look at Tony Parker. He was another small player that and he went head-to-head with 
LeBron James in some of those finals. So it's just kind of like that small narrative is kind of ridiculous. If you want to push that narrative, I can push the unathletic narrative for Luka Doncic because you're talking about Kawhi Leonard, you're talking about Kevin Durant, LeBron James. These are all athletic. These are all athletic wings. Luka's not athletic. He doesn't have the type of same athleticism as those type of guys that you mentioned, like that won the finals MVPs that can play two-way basketball, be a dynamic scorer, athlete. Like Luka Doncic is not that. So if you want to push to like the small narrative for Trey Young, and then talk about, well, we look at the, the history of the wings and stuff like that. The wings you're talking about, Luka Doncic is not that type of player. Oh, he's he's definitely not. But at the same time, it's, it, it, it's, it's, it, like I said, it's your personal preference. Like, I'm, like I could point against Trey Young's size and say when the game against Philly, bef- the game before he hurt his ankle, I think the following game after that, they put Ben Simmons on him and, he after he had an amazing first half, but when Philly made the adjustment, put a larger wing on him, then he wasn't able to get the same amount of, of space once he, like once he was able to do in the first half. And I could also make the same advantage for Luca if you're putting a quicker player on him. Definitely. It's just and it comes and also it, it transfers to the defensive side. Like Luca laterally isn't a quick wing, but at the same time you can just be able to you can hide him more defensively. But Trey. At any, no matter where you try to put him, he's gonna be a liability just for his size. I I hate to say but it, but they're just, both, just from his size alone. From his size, I understand. But but if you just look at point guards like the Chris Pauls, the Isaiah Thomas of the world, all great I, defenders. Yeah, both Isaiah Thomases. I understand that, and that's another thing. I feel like Trey Young has more potential to get better. I feel like Luka Doncic came in with a high floor, but his ceiling is not that high. Trey Young came in with like a people are talking about a a bus or super good potential like he has so much potential like we're not uh, I, I agree like, with so that it's point. just kind of like he has more potential than Luka Doncic so just given the fact that he's already more skilled already better at getting to the rim and finishing with content already a better passer and playmaking vision it's just kind of like and he has more potential to more potential going forward it's just hard for me to say that just because Luka Doncic is so skilled and so gifted so early on, but we don't know, like, I don't I don't know how much better Luka Doncic is going to get over the course of his career, but I can see and imagine that Trey Young is going to get way, way better over the course of his career. So me personally, I'm taking Trey Young. You're taking Luka Doncic, but we both know that they're both super talented and both have super, super high IQs. And just to follow up from that point, I, I agree. Like, I, that's kind of one bias we had. Like, this one stereotype that the European player is more skilled than American player. I, Trey Young is just it's just a skilled, if not, is more skilled than Luca. But even it's though not, I'm, not an if you keep saying it, he's more skilled, man. <laughs> hey, man. It, it, like I said, it's your personal preference. They do it in different ways. But I do agree. I do want to say this, just based on the fact that we're making this argument right now, compared to how it was when. The trade was made during the draft. I think Atlanta won the trade just based on the fact that you got a superstar player and the draft pick that I believe turned to Cam Reddish as well. So the final verdict will be based on how Reddish develops over the course of his career in, in Atlanta. But the fact that Trey and Luka is just a debate amongst us right now, I believe Atlanta wins that trade. Even though Luka is going to be a phenomenal player. That's the true. fact that you get a phenomenal player in Atlanta, along with a developing pick that could be a star level player, maybe. That's another. That's a. That's another. 
and Cam Reddish is another conversation for a different day because he is going to be special. I agree. 